Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome to All Stats Aren't We, a podcast in which Leeds fans cast their combined eye over goings on at Elland Road, giving scrutiny to the underlying statistics and tactical footings at work at Leeds United. I'm John McKenzie, the homegrown talent who left his boyhood club of the podcast. Will my reception be warm or will you just call me a snake? And I'm joined today by the homegrown talent who is now a regular part of the furniture of the podcast. He's no Stuart Dallas, but he is Leeds-born. It's Martin Riley. How are you doing, Martin? I'm doing excellent, and it feels a bit surreal being introduced by you, John. <laughs> and I bet it feels a bit surreal for you being reading that intro after after a while. Yeah, do you know what? Looking back on that intro, it's a it's a real mouthful, isn't it? I'm I'm impressed that you're still going with it. It's no, been a while since I penned it, but yeah. No, we wouldn't want to change that. It's um, a staple, which I think our fans expect. But yeah, <laughs> it's it's all good. I, I I enjoy reading it out. But I've been mm. I've not been doing much hosting recently. There's been a, a bit of a rotating cast for our hosts mm. recently. Adam's been having a go, and yeah, it's been it's been good fun. And if if we've arrived back at me, then clearly things are going desperately. So yeah, here we are. Now it says on the um, on the podcast running order straight after I've asked how are you, Martin? Ad lib short discussion on how everyone is. But I think we've covered that, right? You're okay. Yes, yes, we're, we're, yes. All, we're all. I'm good. okay. We're and, all okay. And you can enjoy. You, you can ignore the bit where I've, I've I've mentioned Watford there because we're not previewing Watford. <laughs> we are not. No, we are here today that. to preview Southampton. Indeed, and we we're not briefly discussing the whole win either, are we? No, we are not. Just yeah. Southampton today, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and Southampton, really, the the talk of the town, right? The talk of the town, because everyone expected them to do well, and they very much aren't doing very well. But we'll get into that. Um, and, well, let's get into it right away. We're talking about the recent results and form, uh, particularly focusing on whether or not anything has changed recently. So, yeah, talk us through their recent form, Martin, because, as I've already alluded to, maybe not as good as people expected from Russell Martin, Southampton. Yeah, um, it's not been going that great for Martin at Southampton so far. Um, especially recently, they've had some pretty poor results, to be honest. Um, they're off the back of four losses in a row, um, including a 4-1 loss in which they conceded four goals from 4xG, which I think they should, should think themselves a little bit lucky. They didn't concede more than four, or four total xG, and all that was non-penalty as well. So that was 
pretty dire viewing. That was against Leicester. And they also had a 5-0 loss against Sunderland. Um, so, yeah, this has not been great for them. They've been shipping a lot of goals. Um, we went to South Park, said anything changing. They've been pretty much consistently using similar sort of tactics, mainly being a 4-3-3 that they've been going for. But there's a couple of 4-4-2s, but it's hard to read those because... We'll get into that, but basically on their out-of-possession play, it can look like a 4-4-2 at times as well. So um, so it could just be this, all the same thing being mixed up because of their out-of-possession approach. But yeah, nothing major has changed in them tactically from what I can see. Yeah, and let's move on to talk a little bit about what they do in possession because the big meme with Russell Martin is that his teams are very, very patient in possession mm-hmm. um, and to an extent maybe that doesn't justify being that patient because uh, doesn't seem to generate a huge amount of attacking upside yeah that is a very fair comment um, they are very patient some would maybe call ponderous at times to be honest mm. the uh, let's talk about the way they build up. They've got like a two-free build-up structure um, with both centre-backs in the first line and the full-backs invert in early build-up to make the second line. So pretty standard from a lot of possession sides in recent years, inverting both full-backs to get that superiority in early build-up, so that's fine. And then as they get through the thirds, uh, their left-back stays inverted, but the right-back is a little wider than the left-back. So there's a little bit of variation on the sides as they get through the thirds. And they're looking mainly to get whip from their wingers. And the in an early build-up, the right midfielder will invert a little bit with the right-back helping with progression. And looks to use combination play and wings involving full-backs, midfielders and wingers and try to get overloads in that sort of way. But yeah, that they have struggled to create reliable chances, I think. And it's a little bit too, too ponderous, like I've already mentioned. And... I'd be interested to see if Martin has the chops to change things because they're definitely shipping a lot of goals and that is clearly not what he he wanted from this. At least I would imagine not anyway. (laughs) Yeah, it's a a fascinating aspect, isn't it, of the championship this season because we are seeing a lot of coaches now who are doing elite build-up stuff in the second tier of English football. So um, we talked about Russell Martin, but we've got Maresca at, at Leicester as well, who's come out of the Pep Guardiola school of of, uh, of, of football. And Michael Carrick, uh, Indeed. Once, tou- once much touted Michael Carrick, who is becoming less touted, but also um, McKenna as well at, uh, at, at Ipswich. Um, what, what have you made of, of, of that aspect in terms of um, the, the the championship now becoming almost like a breeding ground or like a finishing school for coaches who want to then go up into the, the Premier League and, and match the elite teams. And I, I guess we say that with the context of Burnley having done that last season uh, and put up an impressive points total last season uh, only to become part of a trio of whipping boys in the Premier League this season. Yeah, there's been a definite shift in recent years um, at, at two more possession heavy styles in the championship you, could, you can maybe say it may have begun with with Bielsa starting that there and probably influencing coaches a little bit further down the pyramid maybe that's one thing which is I've thought about since Bielsa has left us oh, god I miss that man <laughs> um, but yeah the there's a few teams who are doing quite interesting things um, Maresca especially he seems to be getting more out of it than what Martin is so but I think he's a little, it's different to the way he looks it's not quite as ponderous from what I've seen so far, although I have only watched one game of Leicester's, but it was a pretty pretty good win from what, from what I saw. Um, but yeah, 
it's it's always just great to see more of this sort of thing. And even going further down the pyramid, you've got teams like Notts County and who are always look, looking to possess the ball as well. And I think there's other teams in, in League One as well. I can't, I can't think of them off the top of my head, but I know there are a couple who are trying to possess the ball. So it's definitely something which has been a shift in the lo- lower leagues as generally the more dominant teams are the ones who are looking to possess the ball, which is good. Yeah, which sort of brings us to Leeds United because I guess the the question there is whether or not we're going to see Leeds doing that this season or whether or not they're going to keep up with this more of a, of a I suppose, a bait and, and uh, artificially transition. So generate conditions where if you're going to get the better, best out of your players by having them attack space, trying to create that space through possession. Mm. Um, and yeah, I, I suppose that could be argued that it's a, it's a more... Um, uh, efficient way of of winning games in in the championship. I don't know if you've got any thoughts on that. Yeah, it's been interesting the way we have been trying to bait teams, like you mentioned, because um, we are looking to keep hold of the ball, um, but we have found a lot of difficulty breaking down low blocks, and I, still, I think that will probably continue. There will be some sides who won't be tempted out of that low block, um, especially against Sheffield Wednesday. We were trying similar tactics against them and it just didn't quite work. When a team wants to low block, <laughs> they will be very stringent in it, I think, especially certain teams in the Championship, signs like your Rotherham's and Sheffield Wednesday's, they will be the ones who will, will be difficult to break down. Um, but yeah, against teams like we saw at the weekend against Watford, who usually play quite a high-pressing style and that works in our favour because they're so used to pressing high. When I don't think they were wanting to do that in this game because they knew that we would get the space to do what we wanted to and it didn't really work for them because they sort of were stuck between two styles, in my opinion, in that game. And so because they're so used to pressing high, they were baited into pressing us quite easily and it worked very well. And that's the sort of thing that I think Fark is wanting to do is to because we, we've got such dangerous players in transition. And it just makes sense to try to generate those artificial transitions, which were begun in the Premier League with Deserbi. And yeah, so it's oh, it's good evolution is the way teams look look to break down low blocks. It's enjoying it. Yeah, it's the thing I'm most looking forward to seeing what happens in the Championship because you know a lot of the the challenge for promotion hunting teams is to have that consistency um, to be able to um, generate upside against whatever is going to come up against them. And um, like you say, you can't just rely on being a team who's going to necessarily have space in front of them. You do have to be able to break down those low blocks. Um, and yeah, any any of these. I guess more, more more modern techniques for for breaking down opposition with possession will will uh, come in handy I think in the championship. So these are the things I'm interested to see uh, particularly at the top of the table who's going to be the team that can have the playstyle which is the most consistently winning playstyle. But I have taken us many many miles away from the the running <laughs> order for which I apologize. We've talked about possession, we can get all of that out of the way. Now we can arrive at the really important stuff, the the out of possession stuff. So Absolutely. what can you tell me about South, Southampton from a, an out of possession point of view? Yeah, the, the it's kind of a high press. Um I wouldn't say it's the most aggressive of high press in the world. Um when it comes to goal kicks, they will look to put pressure on around the goal kick. We'll have two forwards just outside the box, um trying to put pressure on to win it up there. But I think generally it's more, more of a mid block I'd say overall. Um it's quite a quite a narrow four four two press that they do, um, which puts pressure on the midfielders because they're trying to, to push up 
onto the opposition midfielders. Um, it's actually quite similar to the press we use under Jesse Marsh, just not quite as intense. The similarity is more in the width of it, and the general way they look to force turnovers is more looking for them in central areas, I think. And it was reasonably effective in the, in the game that I watched in, against Norwich. Um, they did turn over the ball quite a few times early in the game, and it was a fantastic game overall, um, one which ended 4-4. So there was a lot of goals. Both sides were doing similar sort of things and trying to win the ball back high, and it was just a generally chaotic game. But we enjoy a good chaotic approach. But it, I don't think it was the best press I've seen. I think it is something that we will probably be able to work around, but we'll talk about that a bit later on. Hmm. Yeah, and I suppose the the thing with Southampton and Russell Martin is that you could accuse him of being an idealist. So, do you think that Southampton are going to make any adjustments to their usual approach, or do you think it's just going to be the the, the case that they're going to do what they do? They're going to try and dominate the game and win the game in their way, or do you think that they will be willing to actually make changes in in terms of um, recognizing where Leeds's dangers lie? Um, I think, considering this game is going to be at their ground, I would expect it to be similar. To- I don't think he will make any major changes. Um, it's potential more change will be down, down to personnel than anything, I think. Uh, I think the actual tactical approach will probably stay largely similar to the way that he has tried to do it because he'll be wanting to make sure it's nailed in perfectly, I'm sure, with a lot of these transitions and especially for clubs like Southampton who haven't really played this sort of possession-heavy approach for a while. So the players have got who a lot are still left from there, what they've had last year. So it'll take some learning to get this new style in, in play. And although we are eight games into the season, that it can still take longer than that to get this sort of approach bedded in properly, I think. Mm. And if we assume that Southampton don't make any adjustments with their usual possession-heavy side, do you think that's going to suit us in terms of uh, the the things that we can really cause problems from? I do think it would. Um, from the games that I've saw, one of the biggest weaknesses they had was in defending transitions. They were putting, putting up a lot of space in wider areas, which I could envision our wingers attacking with glee. Um, not just our wingers, uh, Jorginho Rutter and his recent form he's been in. I think he will have a lot of fun um, against that sort of approach. And I think... We may not press as heavily and look to try to sort of bring them onto us a bit more and try try to win the ball around around the halfway line. I think, and I think that would be a very effective way of hurting them. And they do have some dangerous attackers, which we'll come to a bit later on. But I do think that their usual approach will suit us quite well. Um, teams like Ipswich came at, came at us and they looked to play their usual game and it ended up quite well for us. So I think it will probably be the case here that we'll have more morally attackers compared to them and we should be able to take advantage of it but you've mentioned some of their dangerous players who are the players that you would say we need to look out for uh, their front line is is quite dangerous the two strikers have got um armstrong and adams um che adams eyes because a few adams died around yeah those two particular for me yes uh, they're two dangerous dangerous players most capable goal scorers um, but going a little bit deeper um, Will Smallbone is a very very good midfielder he seems very composed in centre centre in the park and it'll be tough to, to win the ball off him I think and then another player who Leeds were looking at earlier in the window is um, Ryan Manning uh, who's our left back and I think he is someone who you can watch out for good and for bad th- from because in possession he's fantastic he's, he's 
ideal for this sort of system. It's the player who he, who Martin had at Swansea for the same role, inverting from left back and continuing that inversion all the way up the pitch, pretty much playing like a central midfielder rather than a left back. It's very rare that you saw him wide, but because of that, um, he is often caught out in transitional moments and he doesn't have a lot of pace to his game. So that would be something which I think we can try to exploit would be to get in that side where he is and... I think Dan James actually will have a field day in this against him, to be honest, because, like I said, he's not the fastest player, and I think he would be able to find a lot of space behind him. Hmm. Well, have you got a predicted lineup for me? Yeah, so they've got a couple of injuries. Um, Ross Stewart is out. I think I think he may still be recovering from an ACL that he picked up last season, to be honest. Um, Jack Stevens is also injured, and potentially Flynn Downs, but I don't know that one. The source wasn't the best so because he played in their last game so I don't know if he picked up an injury and that after it or not but I'd imagine it would probably be largely similar to what we've seen um, it would be Bazuno in goal um, Kyle Waterpeakers um, for our seasoned listeners who will remember that um, he will either be at left back or right back um, it depends what they do at left back because Ryan Manning was taken out in the last game and they played uh, Waterpeakers Walker Pete, I can't even say it properly now. <laughs> Kyle Walker Peters, and they'll may, may choose to play him at right back, and then bring Ryan Manning back in at left back, and then the centre back pairing will probably be Bednarek and Howard Bellis. Um, then the midfielders it will either be Charles or Smallbone in defensive midfield. Um, Downs at CM if not if he's not injured, alongside either Smallbone or Aribo. Then the front line has rotated, but it usually involved Armstrong, Adams and Fraser in some iteration. Sometimes Armstrong is playing on the wing and sometimes he's more of a striker. But like I mentioned before, they're out of passion approach. It's more of a 4-4-2, so um, you'd see um, Ari- Aribo moving out a little bit wider. And there's also potential for Samuel Idozi to come back in. And personally, I hope that they don't start... Kamaldine Sulemana um, is probably their most dangerous player, especially in transition. So even if he's just off the bench, he'll still be dangerous, mind you. But <laughs> yeah, that's probably what I'd expect their line to look like. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Well, let's move to start talking a little bit about how Leeds are going to approach this game. So how do we predict Leeds are going to set up in possession for this game, both structurally and tactically? And what might they do specifically to approach this game? 
I think in possession it will probably be the same as it has been. Um, when we do have the ball, we will look to build patiently, try to force those artificial transitions that like we mentioned earlier, um, and we will look to get our wide players involved as soon as we can, get the ball up quickly when we've got the t- moment to do it, and when we don't have the ball, we will look to attack quickly when there is space to do that, because that is what we have been quite effective in doing. So I don't think there'll be any major changes tactically for us. I think it'll probably stay the same as where it has been. And for anyone who remembers the Ipswich game, I think it'll probably look quite similar to that. There will be moments when Ipswich have the ball and we'll just look to steal it and attack quickly in those moments. And same question as above, but this time focusing on the outer possession, what do you think that's going to look like? Yeah, I think that one could possibly be a little bit different. Um, there's potential for us to maybe not press quite as high as we have done in the last few games. Um, I think possibly more of a mid-block rather than a high press. And what we, had, we did see in some games it was more of a high press, but I think this one may be one where we would try to be more of a mid-block and win it around the halfway line rather than further up the pitch and quickly break into into the areas that that the inverted fullbacks will leave behind. I think that'll be something which we'll try to exploit. So we'll want to win it around halfway line to exploit that properly. So I think it'll that'll be the only ma- major change, I think, will be just a slight shift in how intense our press is and where we start to press from. Is there a player who you see having a big impact on the outcome of this game from Leeds? It'll be the frontline duo again, uh, Ruter and Perot. Um, when they they are seems to be when they are on having a good game, we have a good game. It seems, especially with the chemistry they're starting to build between them and the, the, the moves that they each from take up in accordance with each other. You've got Ruter who will be occupying the, the, the centre backs, and Perot will be behind, but he'll also shadow up and do moves beyond him as well. So it's that sort of dynamic. I think is very important to this game because both those two are also effective in in transition for different reasons. Ruter because of his pace and Perot because of his movement coming in late, following on from Ruter. And on more the, the defensive side of the game, it's I hate to say it, but uh, Luke Hailing is the guy unfortunately at the moment who is liable to hurt us in a bad way, especially when it comes to defending. Um, if he's up against Stuart Armstrong, for example, he's putting up a lot of pace behind so I think he would struggle to deal with whichever attacker they've got to be honest um, but Luke didn't start in the last game so it's possible that we continue the same with what we've gone for previously but if Luke does play that is something which they may look to exploit So what's your predicted lineup for Leeds? I would expect it to be Melier in goal um, we will say Shackleton at right back um, Roden is now back from suspension uh, so he should slot in next to Pascal Strauch in centre-back. Left-back, would I would expect to be Samuel Byram, um, which he's been fantastic this season. I would not have expected um, him to come back and be as effective as he has been, but he's been very good. I just hope his fitness holds up. Then further up in midfield, it will most likely be the same as what we've had, Ampadu. And I'm not sure about who's going to join Ampadu. It could... I would expect Camera again because he was so effective in this last game against Watford, but it's also quite possible that he brings Gray back in after he's had a rest. So that's just, I think that's the main part where I think we'll see some rotation. Then in the forward line, Nonturf still out, I believe, so he won't be playing. It'll be Somerville and I'm going to say James for the other, for the other wing, um, but maybe I would prefer Anthony 
and then bring James on to use his pace late on in the game. But either way, it'll be fine. James will be effective in this game, I think. And then up front, it'll be Ruter and with Perot sitting just behind as either a second striker or a 10, whichever way you want, want to look at his role. So let's have a little think about how the game is going to unfold in particular. So how do you expect this game of football to look like on the weekend? So I'd expect, since it's at home, Southampton, they will probably have a greater share of the possession. Um, I would expect them to look to do that because they're at home and they won't want to be, to hand over the ball to us and let us do our thing. And I think we will just thrive on that and we will try to attack them in transition and look at those spaces in wide areas mentioned earlier and just, yeah. It's going to be one team trying to press the ball and us hit, hitting them in the counter, I think. I think it's going to be Southampton just pressing the ball, being quite ponderous with it, maybe creating some chances if they can. Um, depending on who's playing in the full-back areas, that could be an issue. But that's largely what I think we'll, we can expect from this. And the famous all-stats aren't we question, where is the game going to be won or lost? It'll be won if we can take advantage of our, of our transitions. And I think that's where it's going to come to and also who gets the first goal if we can take advantage of an early shot in the first half and take advantage of a kind of transition then it'll go very good for us we've seen when we have gone scored first which hasn't happened too often but in recent games when we have done that then it's been quite easy for us because teams have to come on to us more and more and we've generally exploited this space early behind very well because of the players we do have who are so elite for this for this division to be honest and if we if if we give them the space to do it, they'll do their thing and win it. I think that's where it's going to be won or lost. Well, Martin, it's been a pleasure chatting to you about all things Leeds United, uh, particularly the game against Southampton. Um, over the last few weeks, you guys have been putting out some bonus podcasts on your Patreon. Yeah. Uh, for those people who don't know, Patreon is a platform where people can pay money to support creators that they enjoy and receive bonus content in return. So all stats, aren't we, are putting out Patreon-only podcasts and analysis articles, and their patrons also get all of their podcasts ad-free, plus early access to preview pods such as this one as as well for some of you so so right now you can listen to the brand new under 21s pod that came out earlier in the month with martin and dan on that one martin what do you want to tell us about that podcast yeah that was it's just me and dan um it was mainly dan's baby um he put a lot of work into it and watched a fair bit of what he could of the under 21s it has been difficult to find footage because not all the games are being broadcast on LUTV for some reason. I don't know understand why because previous seasons we've had access to all of them, but now they're only putting certain ones on, which is puzzling. But yeah, um, we talk about the new league formats, which are very interesting, and I won't spoil go too much into those for anyone who does want to watch it. But it's very much worth listening just for that aspect. But then on top of that, we also talk about the squad and what it looks like for the twenty ones, which players we we expect to look look out for potentially going into first team and we are looking to do this um maybe every month and a half two months uh just come come at it every, every so often just to see what's been going on with the under 21s it will be a uber regular thing because we've got a lot of matches to cover in the normal championship season so it'll just be sort of during international breaks and things like that where we cover that but yeah it's good if you want if you're interested in the twenty ones, it's definitely worth listening. Yep, I can definitely recommend that. And it's worth saying that it really helps us out when you support us and means we can do more content like those. So if you are interested and want to access this content, you can sign up at patreon.com forward slash all stats, aren't we? 
uh, ASAW Patreon, I should say. Um, so yeah, do go and check that out. But Martin, I think this brings us right to the end of the episode. I guess you guys will be back next week with a roundup of what happened at Southampton. That's correct. You'll hear us then earlier next week. Well, thank you so much for chatting to me. And uh, as we say at the end of every episode, thanks for listening and enjoy the game. sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusion Apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.